Jesus asks, who did the will of the Father? We get another parable this week. Seems like we're in the season of parables, according to our lectionary. This one might be a little simpler than some of the other ones we've had, and spoiler alert, some of the ones we've got coming up. In this parable, Jesus is having a discussion with the religious leaders in the temple. And he tells the parable of a man with two sons. To the first, he says, go work in the vineyard. And the first son says, I will not go. And then later goes into the vineyard and works. To the second, he says the same, go into the vineyard. And that son says, I will go, but then doesn't. He then says, which one of these sons did the will of the father? And the religious leaders answer correctly, it was the first. The one who actually did it. The one who went and did the work. And Jesus frames this as a way, first of all, to interact with these religious leaders, which we'll get to in a moment. But I think also offers us insight about how we live a life of faithfulness. It's not simply that we should have the right ideas about God, but that our faith should compel us to act, to be the worker in the vineyard who, though maybe didn't get it right away, eventually does. Sort of the opposite of what we had last week, where you had uh, sort of the workers who were who went into the vineyard last, got paid first, and then the first ones start grumbling. In that parable, everybody goes to work. Here, some do, some don't. So it's, a, it's an important message for us to be inspired, to be encouraged, to live out our faith in active ways. And that vineyard, I think, is the world. That we can, through acts of kindness and justice and mercy, live out our faith, and make a positive impact. We can have beliefs about God, we can have faith, but God also calls us to put that faith into action, to live it out. Now, the context of this parable, I think, is just as important. If you were to look in this part of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has entered the temple. We've had Uh, If you follow sequentially, Palm Sunday, as we tend to call it. And he's beginning to teach in the temple. And so the chief priests, the scribes, these are the, the elite leaders of the Jewish faith, say, by what authority and whose authority are you teaching? In other words, who said you could do this? Who said you, a carpenter from Nazareth, could come here in this temple and teach, and what's more, the content of your teaching runs contrary in many ways to everything we are teaching? Who gave you this authority? Now, this word authority is really important, and it's featured in the Gospels, and People were amazed, if you look back, when Jesus is teaching in his early ministry or when he heals people, they say he's one who teaches with authority. 
that he has a commanding presence about him, but he's also speaking God's truth, and it resonates with people. His authority does not come from a degree or a position. It comes from the truth that he speaks. Jesus is the Word made flesh, God incarnate. And so when Jesus speaks, it is by definition the truth. And that's where the authority lies, which is very challenging to the religious leaders of his day. So Jesus, when asked this question, Who's, by what authority did you do this, does what Jesus does. When he's trying, when a, an opponent, who's either trying to trick him or make him look bad, asks Jesus a question, he always asks a question back. And so he says about John the Baptist, who was preparing hearts and minds for the coming of the Messiah, he said, I'll ask you this question, and if you answer it, I'll answer your question. Was John's baptism from heaven or of human origins? And you can just see the, the scribes and the chief priests kind of huddling in a, in a circle, and they're debating with each other, and they don't quite know how to answer, and they say, well, if we say John's baptism and his preaching came from heaven, then Jesus is going to say, well, you should have listened to him, because here I am. He was talking about me. If we say it's of human origin, then all of John's followers will be greatly upset and maybe cause a disturbance. And so the chief priests, as they're portrayed in Matthew, kind of go for a, a political uh, resolution, and they say, we don't know. I mean, we can assume that they think that John's baptism was of human origin because they don't follow. Although they did go visit him. If you go back in Matthew chapter 3, you have the religious leaders who go out into the wilderness to see John. John who's baptizing in the River Jordan and, and all kinds of people from Jerusalem. It says all of the people came to see John and the religious leaders. They came, they saw, but they didn't believe it. And so they say, we don't know. And it's not a we don't know that they're still thinking about it. It's a we don't know because they don't want to lose their authority. Here's that word again. They have the authority. They are the religious leaders of their day. <clears throat> but they went to see John, just like the, 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 the son who goes and says, I'll go to the vineyard and doesn't. They are exposed to the truth, but don't believe it and they don't act on it what's more. So Jesus says, then I won't answer you. And the, and the tension that is between Jesus and the religious leaders in Jerusalem just ratchets up. And you can see where this is going. Of course, we know how the story goes from here. But Jesus stands firm in the authority given to him, the authority of God's truth, he speaks it and confronts those who oppose it. Our first reading has a different way to think about authority. And another key word is empty. We could say that the Pharisees and scribes who go see G uh, John and hear about him and then do nothing have an empty intent. 
I had a senior pastor in my first call that I worked under, and I say that very intentionally. I think it was my first day of work. He said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I've heard that before. I thought, wow, that was a message. It didn't last very long. Uh, but I learned a lot. I did learn a lot um, from that experience. And this idea of intentions. We, we say we're going to do something, and then if you don't follow through, uh, sometimes uh, that is more revealing than anything else. But there's a word in that, in that Philippians text. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. That word vain conceit could also be empty. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit. A view of ourselves that's inflated. A view of our authority that may not be rested in God's truth. Which seems to be the challenge that Jesus poses to religious authorities. And what we have in Philippians 2... Uh, is what's referred to as the Christ hymn. It's an early Christian song that those who gathered for worship would have been well familiar with. And Paul, in writing to the church in Philippi, is using that as a way to underline the example of Christ and how that example should inspire us to live with one another. And it says, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. In other words, Jesus is fully God. God sends Jesus into this world, and he does not give up his divine power or status when he walked among us. But it says he did not... A, regard his equality with God as something to be exploited. In other words, he didn't do what most human rulers and powerful people do. They lord it over others. People in human positions of power will often use their power and position to make personal gains for themselves. They enrich themselves in any number of ways. And instead, what, it, what Jesus does... He says, he emptied himself to the point of taking on human flesh. He emptied himself and humbled himself and became obedient. This is a a full emptying out of all that divine power, all that position and authority. Jesus emptied himself out in the form of a slave and became obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. This is the Christ hymn, at least part one, where Jesus empties himself from his position of authority. He, with humility and service and a heart and compassion for others, gave himself away for you and for me and for the whole world. The second part of the hymn says, And then, after that, God exalts his name above all names, that every single person, when they hear the name of Jesus, they will bow 
on their knee and confess with their lips that Jesus is Lord. That emptying out, that humbling, that obedience becomes exaltation. Or as Jesus himself says, the last will be first and the first shall be last. But what Paul says right before he quotes this Christ hymn, this hymn that would have been familiar to those in contexts like ours in worship. He says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. We are to think in a Christ-like way and act in a Christ-like way. That is a high, holy call that we would humble ourselves when we find ourselves in positions of authority, when we find ourselves with power, we should use that power in a way that serves the needs of others. We should empty ourselves of any of our vain conceit, any of our own sense of pride, and give ourselves away. Imagine the impact of selfless, humble service. Imagine the impact in your life, in our community, and in our world. This is the will of the Father. Jesus says, which of the sons did the will of the Father? The one who said, no, I don't want to go, and then went? Or the one who said, I will go, and did nothing? Jesus is not concerned about our past, our failures. He's talking about tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. They may have been far away from God for a whole part of their life, but they understood the truth when they saw it. They saw the authority of God's word, and they acted. And through them, a world of impact, a world of good can come. So it is with us. We have the capacity. We have the power because we have the truth. We know that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that all who would believe may not perish but have eternal life. And with that gift, we can give ourselves away because that's a gift that will never be revoked, never be tarnished or diminished. So may you know that love, may it live and resonate in your heart, and may we give ourselves away in humble service, knowing that God will always exalt us. Amen.